guys, it's Gibson, and welcome back to We Should Talk. We took a week off because of Thanksgiving, but we are back at it. We have a full slate of interviews scheduled for December. It's going to be a good month on the podcast. You know, I'm laying low this month. I drove down, got tested for Thanksgiving to be with my family. And instead of dealing with the back and forth between home in New York and getting tested more and just like all around moving around, which is not the greatest idea these days. I'm staying put. I'm upping my TV diet even more as if I wasn't already watching a ton of TV. Now that I'm at home and just chilling with my family and not doing anything really social, TV is how I'm spending my time. So yeah, we have a great lineup of interviews for December and I'm really excited for you guys to see who we have on. We should talk this month. First up this week is the wonderful Lauren Zima, who I consider a friend. She works as an Entertainment Tonight correspondent. She also hosts their web series, Roses and Rosé, which covers all things Bachelor for them. She has a podcast coming out this month. She dates Chris Harrison, the Bachelor host. So she is an all around, like just preeminent Bachelor authority. And she's just a really great personality. And we had an amazing time talking about her career and where she, how she got to where she was, how she created Roses and Rosé, which is again, sort of just one of the it bachelor recap shows and it's so her and funny and amazing so look that up on youtube if you haven't watched it before we talked about her relationship with chris we talked about um sort of the line between sort of the personal and the professional for her after she's also gotten to know a lot of the other bachelor stars over the years after interviewing them a lot and we talked about what she thinks of the current season of the bachelorette which went from obviously claire to tasia and sort of where she stands and all that so yeah it was a really really great interview we talked just before the holiday, you know, you're, you're hearing it this week, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to that. But before we get to that, there's only one thing that we can really talk about right now, and that is the finale of The Undoing. By the time you listen to this, it will have been sort of like four to five days uh, since that aired. But there's nothing like event television for me. You know, like there, there's something about everyone talking about the same episode of the same show, you know, the, with The Undoing. We, we were leading up to this big finale after like almost two months of watching this HBO show. And by the time we got to the finale, it seemed like almost everyone I knew was watching it and was really, really invested in it. And it seemed like everyone also had a theory as to who done it, right? Like that is sort of the sign of a good show is that it's not obvious who did it. I think everyone had theories about almost every single character. There aren't that many characters in The Undoing, but there were signs that each one had something shady going on. And talking to my friends in the lead up to the finale, it was sort of like, everyone thought somebody different. And, and I loved that. And I loved the conversation that it sparked. And also I should say, spoilers ahead. If you have not watched the finale of The Undoing, if you have not watched The Undoing at all, fast forward to the interview with Lauren, because I don't want you to be, I don't want the show to be ruined for you. When we get to the finale of The Undoing, there's sort of this huge lead up and turns out it's Hugh Grant's character that did it. All signs pointed to him throughout the entire series. He's the one that ran away after the murder. He's the one that was having an affair with the victim. He's the one that was lying. He's the one that was being shady. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, all of us came up with these wild, insane theories to explain why he didn't do it, right? Like people said that Nicole Kidman's character had a psychotic break and she didn't remember doing it and that's, and she was actually the murderer. There were people that thought her friend, lawyer friend Sylvia was the other woman in Hugh Gant's relationship and I was one of those people and that maybe she killed her out of jealousy or something. There were people that thought Nicole Kidman's dad did it. There were people that thought that Nicole Kidman's son did it. And yet it was just Hugh Grant that did it. And I think it said something about the fact that like, it made space for us to create all these different theories to explain why all the different characters did it. But at the end of the day, it was the rich, white, unfaithful man who committed the murder. 
And I think it says something sort of about the internalized acceptance of like toxic masculinity that we all have. Um, the fact that we kind of wanted to pin it on the blonde lawyer uh, female friend or Nicole Kidman sort of speaks to like some of our internalized misogyny. It's just so interesting that like after all of that, it was this guy that did it. And obviously it's a fictional story, but I think it, it says something about the viewers and how we took this story and how we sort of ran with it and created all these wild theories when ultimately the signs were all right there as to who did it. It was a fun ride. And I think, and somebody made a really good point on Twitter, actually. I think a lot of people were sort of like let down by the finale, like, oh, it's just Hugh Grant the whole time. Like why'd we spend our seven or eight weeks watching this? But I think you know, if the show had been on Netflix, which would have dropped all the episodes at once, yeah, like we would have expected some huge big twist and deserved that because we would have binged it, right? We would have watched it all in one weekend. We would have hunkered down and just like sped through this show. But the success of the undoing and sort of the way that it strung us along and kept us on our toes and kept us guessing and kind of until the very, very end, it speaks to sort of like the continued relevance and, and effectiveness of the week to week TV model. Because, you know, like we were all sort of stringing along and we were all sort of waiting for each new episode week after week. And it sort of felt like this really fun lead up to this huge moment. And I think there was a huge moment in the finale when Nicole Kidman turns on Hugh Grant. But regardless, I think that it just sort of speaks to sort of like where prestige TV is these days and sort of the different the different ways the different models of, of releasing episodes works. Anyway, so that's sort of my thoughts on The Undoing. Before we get to my interview with Lauren Zima, I was thinking about the first time that I hung out with Lauren. Um, I was in LA several years ago and Lauren had been a, 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 like a, some, a professional contact. We worked together. We were sort of content partners. We've been emailing almost every day for the past several years. And so when I was in LA, I reached out. So I set up drinks with Lauren and two of her other coworkers who I love, Bryce Sander and Danny Directo. And we met for drinks at Pump, which is Lisa Vanderpump's gay bar, restaurant, cocktail lounge, cocktail garden, whatever, you, whatever she calls it. And we had this great round of drinks. And we were sort of obviously talking about Vanderpump Rules, which takes place at Sur around the corner. And what do you know, in walk Ken and Lisa Vanderpump. Lisa is holding Jiggy under her arm and she just strolls right in like the queen that she is or was, depending on your point of view on her. And it was just like sort of like one of those ultimate celebrity sightings, right? It was sort of like we were at her restaurant. We were, I was in LA for less than a week. We had just been talking about her show and in walks the matriarch, in walks the person who runs the restaurant. And it was just great. It was, it was a great little kind of dream Bravo sighting. Anyway, keep listening for my interview with Lauren Zima, ET correspondent, Roses and Rosé host, future podcast host. Her podcast comes out this month. So yeah, I, re I really enjoy. There's some great Bachelor tea. There's some great insights into her career. And yeah, it's a really fun one. Enjoy. So we are here with Lauren Zima, my friend and correspondent at Entertainment Tonight and podcast host and just all around like wears many hats. Lauren, how are you? Oh, Gibson, thank you for that introduction. I'm so happy to be here. You and I have worked together for years through different brand connections and partnerships. And now I just love that I'm sitting here watching you do the podcast thing. Look at us fly. I love it. I love this. And I was, I was just thinking about sort of like our, like just our past working relationship. And at one point we got drinks at Pump, Lisa Vanderpump's bar. Yes. And I feel like that was like simultaneously yesterday and also 10 years ago. I think it was maybe two or three years ago, but it, time flies. And did you see, I think she just tweeted that they're closing Pump. I heard that, which is, uh, that's tragic for many reasons, but. I um, mean, 
those those pink cushions, some stained with wine, full of stories. I, I hope it's not forever. I really do because that would be upsetting. I agree. So Lauren, obviously 2020 has been a crazy year for a lot of people with a lot of ups, lots of downs. You've had some good ups. You won an Emmy this year, which is amazing. Yes. We see it You're in the background me. of this video. I, we we film everything in our, our Zooms in our offices now. We're back on the lot for entertainment tonight on our studio lot, and we're getting COVID tested and wearing masks and socially distancing, um, but we're doing our Zoom interviews in our offices, so I had to kind of set dress my office, and what's better than an Emmy? Put it right there it. by by the mini fridge. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better decoration. Come on. <laughs> uh, but, but what has 2020 been like for you? Just like overall, how are you, how are you holding up? How, what, where's your mind at right now? I feel so much better now than I did a matter of months ago. Um, I'm hoping this means a better turn. You know, I think we've all experienced in the last couple of weeks, especially like some better news, vaccine news, and hopefully um, moving forward in a new chapter for our country that's going to be great and all kinds of things. So I certainly feel better. I was surprised by how much I was impacted by everything because I'm not someone who's ever dealt with anxiety or, or depression before really. And I've, you know, I've been through a couple of things. Like I lost my father when I was mm -hmm. in my early twenties and I've been divorced. So I've been through some stuff and I was sort of shocked by, um, like in the beginning of all this, I thought I had COVID because my chest was really hurting. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would like go on a, an uphill walk with my boyfriend and he'd say, you're breathing fine. I don't know. And finally, um, I, after, and this was like in March when it was really scary and you right. couldn't really get tested. So finally I, we went to go see a doctor and he's like, so what are your symptoms? I'm like, my chest is feeling tight and um, it, it's, I just feel very tense. And he's, he's saying, does it get worse if you're watching the news? I'm like, yes, it does. And he goes, okay, that is anxiety. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I mean, I <laughs> but honestly, that's good to, that, that, that's honestly, that's, so, that's probably some sort of like re, re, reaffirmation that like, you're not making it up. Like it is real that it does manifest physically sometimes. And yes, and it's it, uh, crazy. I think it was, I, I bring that up because as we're talking about work, what hit me was having my whole professional world turned upside down. I'm somebody who loves my job so much. I work so much because I enjoy what I do. And to suddenly not be at the office, not see all those people. And I know everybody experienced that. And, yeah. and I know that frontline workers and so many people had it a million times harder than I did. That was just my own reaction. And I was sort of um, a little shocked that I did react to it so much. So I think I'm also a lot happier, like being back in the office, people are sort of surprised to hear why wow, you're getting tested and you're, you're doing all these things. Isn't that hard? And you know, no, I'm, 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 I'm just so happy to be back in the office and especially to have people like our crew members and stuff at ET um, working and, and all that. So it's, it's been, we, we're seeing positive turns. For sure. For we sure. are turning the corner, I think, and I hope. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's nice for you to not just be cooped up at home like a lot of people. Yeah. It's nice to have some of that, some of that routine back in your life. Before we get too far into it, I would love for us to just hear a little bit more about how you got to where you are. Because, you know, even just the past several years of knowing you myself, your career has really gone on an upward trajectory and a lot has changed for you. So talk to me a little bit about how you got to ET and sort of also how you started Roses and Rosé and sort of you've built this huge platform for yourself on the back of a really amazing career already. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. So Roses and Rosé is my um, Bachelor franchise recap review show. Um, So I created and host that. And I do it under the umbrella of Entertainment Tonight. So it's available on our YouTube channel. You can check it out there. But yeah, so I started uh, the Cliff's Notes is I've kind of always done journalism and like acting comedy. I've done acting since I was little. And since I was little, like I, I interned for the Daily Herald in Chicago when I was like nine, which I is- I love it. call that an internship. Um, and then I did my high school newspaper and my high school theater. And then in college, I was a journalism major at the University of Missouri and a theater minor. So I've always done all these things. And I kind of feel like I'm at this beautiful place in my career now where those things that I love to do have come together. And it's managed to give me, I think, kind of a- a unique voice and perspective. And so Definitely. that's what I always encourage people to do is like, how can, you know, what you love, how can that make you different? And I went to a journalism school, then moved to LA, was working for Variety for a little while and got offered a position at the startup called Newsy, where I'd worked while I was in college. Decided to take that job. So important, I think, to try to build something at some point in your career, to work at a startup to learn what it's like to be in the trenches. You and I were just talking about this with podcasting, like to learn it all yourself really pushes Yeah, for sure. And it gives you appreciation for what everyone's role is when you have those people to do it, do it with you as well. Exactly. I've, I've managed people before just in, in a work position. And I always say it's the difference of like being the person who's up high and, you know, preaching down to the people who you work for and, and telling them what to do versus like, standing in front of them and leading the way and talking to them that way. I think that you have to know, you have to have an understanding of everybody's job in order to like, not just lead well, but also to push yourself further. So I was working at Newsy and it's kind of this, you know, I work really hard and, and I think was doing a good job at Newsy. I was growing there and Mm -hmm. and, uh, we'd just gotten acquired by Scripps Media. But at the same time, you know, sometimes things are just like, luck and uh, magic and basically entertainment tonight our current producer Erin Johnson she had come to kind of check out what Newsy was doing how we were making online news videos so fast and I remember that day our our sales guy told me hey you know you run all of our entertainment news ET is here like please give them a tour I'm like of course absolutely just trying to help the company so I give them a tour of the office and then it had been a long day because I think I was working the CMAs or something it was an award show Mm -hmm. and he said you know, I have to take them to dinner, like just kind of a, a, you know, a business dinner, but don't feel like you have to go. I know you've been working all night because I was even working overnights at the time. I think I worked overnights for like two years and I said, no, 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 I, I want to go. It's always good to like, you know, meet people and, and build relationships. And at that dinner, Aaron was looking at me kind of weird. And I truly thought I had something in my teeth. Like the second I walked out of dinner, I looked in the mirror. I'm like, did I have in my face? What was it? <laughs> and the next day I get a text from a number I don't have saved okay. and it said, Hey, do you want to come work at ET with a palm tree emoji? <laughs> Very cryptic, but also like, tell me more. <laughs> right. I was like, palm tree emoji. What a, hmm. what a job offer with an emoji. I love it so much. <laughs> and it turned out that Aaron had gotten my number somehow. And she truly, I was just, I had just, I think, been impressed by me at you dinner. You connected, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and she wanted me to come work at ET. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so that was really a life-changing moment for me because ET is this incredible storied brand. I mean, the first ever entertainment news show and currently the number one entertainment news show still in our 40th season. So 
Aaron brought me on to um, help build the online news video brand because that's what I'd done at Newsy. So I really made us make news video faster here at ET and, and did a bunch of that. And then I kind of was also always pitching ideas. Like yeah. I, I said, you know, why aren't we doing more with The Bachelor? Because I've been covering reality TV at Newsy and I'm like, ET could be doing more with this. Let's do an online video recap show. And what was great about um, Entertainment Tonight, my boss at the time on the digital side, Shayna um, Krokmal, who's now at Entertainment Love Shayna, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, she was just like, do it, try it, throw spaghetti at the wall. Um, so she was very encouraging. So it was this great moment of being at this big brand where they had this startup mentality of encouraging people to try things. And that's why I started doing Roses and Rosé. And next year will be five years of doing it, which is kind of crazy. Wild. That is wild. Mm. Um, but that's how I got where I am. And I think like the, a, a big thing I always tell people is relationships mean so much in this business. You know, even in a day and age where we can apply online to things, I've gotten every job that I have because... I knew someone because I had hmm. worked on my relationship with them. You and I are sitting here now because we've worked together. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. So that's the very long and yet short version. I don't know how long I just spoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's, I think it's always interesting to hear how people get to where they are because it's just, it's just about like taking those little opportunities. Oh, you're going to go tour the, tour the office with these partners of yours or that just are curious about what you do. That turned into your, your new your career. Oh, and I, yeah. It's, that's just amazing. And I'm curious, like for Roses Rosé, it's, it's crazy that we're going on five years. Again, I remember when you started it. And mm -hmm. when did you know that it was, that it was going to be a hit? That, that it was like, that it, was, there, was there like a, an inflection point where you were like, oh, I can be doing this for a while mm -hmm. because people are really into it? That's a really good question. I, <laughs> I don't think there was ever one moment specifically mm -hmm. But I do remember when people, look, reading the comments on the internet can be real dangerous, right? Um, I, I try to avoid it because people are brave. Don't and scroll cool. down. Don't scroll down. <laughs> but I do remember when I, I did sort of peek my eye open and look at some, the comments on YouTube because our, actually our YouTube um, manager told me, you have really positive YouTube comments, like unusually. So he kind of allowed me to, to be brave and go look. And people were saying they loved it. And then I started kind of getting messages on Instagram about people loving it. And that response, you know, as small as it, as it might've been at the time, I just thought, okay, if, if people like something, if you have an amount of people who like something, how can you look at what they're liking, magnify that, explore that, uh, build it up. And, and then more people will come to it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, it was just like, I had this little focus group and when you found out what the focus group liked with that direct feedback, then I, I could dig into it even more. And I've truly just worked on building it over the years. Um, we didn't have one moment where like a clip went viral right. or one interview I did or one thing I said was huge. It's just been a slow and steady build, but it's been very much about listening to what the audience said. Like we've made changes of, I, I, I very specifically in the first minute of the video, ask people, what did you think of the episode? Because I, I found that they really loved feeling like we had that relationship of engagement, which we do. I love to hear from everybody. So, but I, I never thought, you know, I thought, oh, they'll just leave their comments. And, and then I realized, no, it makes a difference to ask them to, um, to, to start that conversation. So Definitely. I've learned things like that over the years, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also so special about Roses and Rosé is that it, it, there's two things that I really appreciate, appreciate about it. One is that 
it combines your the the beat that you are most known for, which is the Bachelor, and and you and you get great Bachelor scoop, and you are have really great relationships with a lot of people in Bachelor Nation, and it also just feels very you. It feels it's 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 very informed, it's very funny, it's a little bit weird, and it just it's, <laughs> it's but it, but it's very you, and I think that you you've you successfully been able to infuse yourself very authentically into this show every week, and I'm I'm curious like was that. Was that just a natural thing for you, or or does this really feel like the, the one of the biggest times that you've been able to really put like your full personality into something? Yeah, well, I want to thank you because I think I was ranting about something earlier, and you've just helped me make a full circle <laughs> moment. So, Gibson, podcast host of the year, thank you. <laughs> what I was <laughs> ranting about earlier was doing theater and journalism, and that is like what Roses and Rosé has really felt like that culmination to me because I interview people for The Bachelor and look, it's, you know, I think it, what's great is I couldn't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There, there's a balance of when you can be comedic and when you can't, right? Because there, yeah. are, there are serious moments, but at the same time, it's a reality show and we can have fun with it. Then again, I, I was just thinking, you know, people can certainly have comedy with politics and then that's important. That's too, true. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good caveat. But uh, yeah, but I, I really am my weirdest, quirkiest, silliest self doing Roses and Rosé. I pop out from behind the couch. I, uh, I, I spit wine all over myself. I do really over-the-top stuff. I fall down on the floor, and it makes me so happy that I was, again, greenlit the opportunity to do this by the brand that I work at, and then that it, it has worked. It's, it's really a beautiful feeling to think that you are your oddest self and that people enjoy that so yeah I, I it w- you know like I said I've done improv comedy in college I did um uh, upright citizens brigade and improv olympic mm. and some different theaters in LA and so sort of all those years of working on that have come in in roses and rosé like the comedic principles of like there's a, r- a rule of threes in comedy you know like I, I will I will name three funny things about the bachelor episode in a row or yes anding I kind of I do roses and Roseanne on my own but I yes and myself I'm like how can For I sure. keep that going it really weird. is a dialogue with yourself yeah yeah mm-hmm. say a weird thing but then what's the next weird thing the next weird thing okay now we are insane now we've got to cut ourselves <laughs> off and like uh, <laughs> graphic wipe to get out of this moment so yeah and it's it's really, it's really been, fun I, I mean I, I just say I'm I found a way to get paid to drink at work also. So that's been great. That's been really fun. It's always a plus, <laughs> always a plus. Yes. And you mentioned, obviously you have interviewed, I mean, countless Bachelor personalities over the years. And I'm curious, just sort of, and obviously you've you become close with some of them as well. Mm-hmm. What, what for you is sort of like, how do you separate the personal and the professional for you when it comes to interviews? Because you obviously, you're, 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 you're talking not mm-hmm. just on camera with these people and, and, I'm just curious what, how you sort of like manage that because it's a difficult line probably sometimes. Yeah. You know, I've thought about it a lot. And what I go back to is that it's not a new issue to navigate. You know, I, I think so much about like what it must've been like. I, did you ever think, God, I wish we had cell phones when like, imagine like the JFK days of the white house, right. you know, when the press was just kind of with him all the time. I always think what press years ago must have seen that they didn't necessarily report on or whatever. Um, And look, journalism is storytelling and there's a humanity to storytelling and we tell our best stories when we're being human and seeing other people as human. On The Bachelor, as much as it is this reality show, you're asking people about their love stories and painful emotional things. So you have to have a humanity to you. And I think you get the best interviews and the most honest sharing from people when 
they can feel that. Um, so it would be impossible to sit down with someone and ask them about their more, most personal, vulnerable moments without having some level of a connection with them, right? Definitely. And, and I think it would also be impossible to interview people for years because in Bachelor Nation, people stick around. You know, they're on Paradise. Oh, yeah, on, we know that. <laughs> they're on show number five. So it would be literally impossible, again, um, to not like develop a relationship with someone after having interviewed them for years. And I feel okay about that because I think it gives you better narratives from them and Definitely. it allows them to share more. And that's what, what the audience connects to and that's what they want to hear. So it is just a balance of, you know, I think talking things out with people like, hey, what do you feel comfortable sharing? And also telling them things like, hey, I have to share that. I have to, you know, you, if I'm, you have to ask I, I will question. very often, yeah, I will very often when I'm like booking an interview say, hey, we're, you know, we're going to have to get into this. Or if somebody isn't happy with something after, I will say, look, that was a newsworthy question. And I had to ask you that question. And, and it w I wouldn't have been doing my job if I didn't. So it's just about balancing that. And I've found it to be actually more rewarding to navigate how to balance that than if I just ignored it and acted like I wasn't human. For sure. Yeah. And who, who would you say you have gotten sort of like closest to in terms of just like cultivating a friendship with? Because for example, like Caitlin Bristow just won Dancing with the Stars and, and, you, and she's obviously been around, she's been around in, in this bachelor world for years and years and years. And she's such a great figure and I'm sure you guys are close, but who, who are some of the people that you feel closest to just on a human level? Yes. I mean, Caitlin, for sure. Um, I've mm -hmm. been interviewing her. I was looking at the time of it all the other day. I've been thinking about time so much. In <laughs> <laughs> we all have. It's weird. Right. Ben Higgins was the first person I ever interviewed um, at ET for the Bachelor franchise. Wow. And that was a big moment for me because I'd, I'd covered reality shows while at Newsy, but I hadn't been doing interviews at Newsy. So to come to ET and to interview and, and to be like, oh, I was kind of comedically recapping this stuff before, but now I'm sitting down with you. That was a big moment. So, um, and Ben and I are also, I think the age thing makes a difference. Like with people who are younger than me, when I interview them in the bachelor world, I feel a bit more, I don't know, not mentoring isn't the right word, but there's just a different, it's e a little easier to be friendly with people. For sure, who are different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So Ben and I are very close. Caitlin and I are very close. Um, I love her boyfriend, Jason Tardic. And uh, Nick Viala, somebody who like, I've, I've been on his podcast so many times and he lives here in LA. So very friendly with Nick. Mm -hmm. Those are the, there's gosh, there's, I mean, Raven Gates, I love her and Adam, her, her fiance, they live in Texas and my boyfriend, Chris Harrison is from Texas. So we adore them. Bond over that. Love that. Yes. So there's lots. I got, I, mm -hmm. I feel like, I'm, I feel like I'm at a, <laughs> I don't know. Just going down the list. Just going down the yes, list. <laughs> let me accept my um, bachelor <laughs> Oscar. And if I forget someone, they're I'm gonna feel horrible. Um, there's so there really are yeah. so many people though. Yeah. So, but that, that's a few. But wow. conver conversely, though, I mean, like you, you said, people do stick around in this world for a long time. And mm -hmm. are there? And you don't have to name names, but if there's people that you don't vibe with as much, like mm -hmm. how do you sort of deal with that? With that, like if you're sitting down with an interview with somebody for the third time, and it's like you know, maybe you haven't hit it off, or maybe you don't love what they yeah. did on the show. You know what I mean? I truly and honestly would say there's no one that I, who I interview at this point, who I like, don't like from the world. I will say that because mm -hmm. people are always like, who do you like? Who do you not like? Everybody who I might have any type of a 
a barrier I'm getting personally close with, I love them because they're great TV. You know? Right. Like, totally. I have totally. a different love for you because you are wonderful to watch on television. Yes. But I, but also, you know, when there's somebody who you maybe find a bit more challenging, well, then I get excited to interview them because of the challenge. I'm yeah. I think like, how can I dig in here and, and get a, get, get that, that insight that I want, even with this person who might have their walls up or who might be a little full of themselves after having been on reality television, you know, or, or any of those things. Cause there certainly <laughs> are people, you know, when you go from, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Iowa or Idaho or anywhere. And, and I've just been this normal person to I've skyrocketed to fame and millions of yeah. followers on Instagram and all that people might, people can have a little moment and they usually even out once the next season of the show comes on, they usually mm -hmm. realize, Oh wait, I had a moment and that moment might continue, but maybe it's not everything I thought. So there are those moments like that. There are some people, you know, hmm, some people who I, I, I did. <laughs> Choose our words wisely. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of, uh, there are some people who have, who have gone into porn. And so I don't speak mm. to those, those people. That is, that is, that is a fact. That is a fact. Yes. But I don't have, I don't know what to say there. <laughs> yeah. That's not ET friendly programming. Okay. No, Come on. Not. I just don't know what to say there. That's all. And you mentioned you have a very important boyfriend in the Bachelor world, Chris Harrison. Yes. And, and with, with that, it, it, again, it's been interesting watching kind of, there's, now there's coverage of Lauren Zima. There, there is, there's articles that are, what to know about Chris Harrison's girlfriend, Lauren Zima. And, and it just, it's, so, it's so actually fun to watch that. It's just a friend of yours. But what have you, how have you dealt with that out of the tension that comes with, that that's, it's tied to a personal relationship? And how do you deal with just sort of like being covered in that way? So when we first started dating, I mean, I went and uh, talked to everybody at ET about it when we were getting serious. And we both kind of made that decision that we were only going to go public with this if it was really serious because otherwise it wasn't worth the trouble. <laughs> but we're in this, it was never a problem. It was just because, you know, I think we really tried to handle it like adults and just say we're two adults in a relationship. Shockingly, you know, we have a lot in common and we <laughs> do so much of the same thing that we, at one point when we were both single and available, like realized, oh, we were bonding over this and we're, uh, attracted to each other. And I, I really find that in media, actually. I think we all like work such crazy hours and get in the trenches so much that we we date each other. It just happens. It makes sense. It does. <laughs> yeah. And in the bachelor world, there's certainly um, a lot of beautiful, for lack of a better word, incest going on there. And <laughs> we, I don't know what else to call it. I've thought about no, it. it. I need it, a better it, word. It, hey, I, I, I use it too. It's the, it's, 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 there is no better word, I don't think. Call it. Intermingling, uh, yeah, um, I guess. Crossover, crossover is a good one. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be, I mean, you talk to people in the bachelor world, and it's like someone, like you know, like Caitlin's boyfriend Jason used to date Becca Kufrin, who is her friend. Like it's, you know, it's just also yeah, so for sure. Funny. It comes um, with the so territory. Yeah, it's very on brand. It's very on brand for the franchise. Yeah, but love is love. What's great? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so we we just like talked that out, and now I think it's sort of this great thing where we get to talk so much about our work together and see each other through work and, and really understand each other's jobs. So we're just in a really great place with it. And people will ask me all the time, you know, do you get the spoilers of the show? Of course. Of course. And the truth is I tell him don't spoil the show for me because I need to recap it and review it like an audience member. It is kind of funny. Cause you know, he will sort of, 
like when he's filming, especially when they've been filming in the bubble and he's been gone, he'll be like, oh, I had like a rough day today. And we're like, man, this, this one, he'll, he'll speak to me in generalities. Like this date today just did not go well. It didn't like go on the, the, the way we had it planned. And then later when I'm watching, it'll sort of click and I'll think, oh, that was, that the, was date. the date. <laughs> yes. Right, exactly. Yes. So, so, so does Chris want to tell you stuff? And you're like, no, Chris, like literally, I don't want to hear it. Like as a reporter who is working on this, I don't want to hear it. Or, or is it just sort of an understanding? It's not so much that he's like dying, to, but sometimes he'll just be telling me about his day and he'll be about to say something and I'll say, oh wait, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> you know, like uh -huh. I kind of have to stop him. But you know, look, are there things where, like, did I know where he was when he was filming The Bachelor? Yes, I was aware of his location. But I also tell people like, that's something, and you know this from being in journalism, if you're covering anything, you have some kind of awareness that you need to have in order to do your job. Like when we're covering housewives, we get screeners of the show in advance because exactly. you gotta have your review ready to go. So part of that was nothing new. Like I, I would have I known things about the franchise in advance just in doing reporting on it. So yeah, but, but, but I'll stop him sometimes. I'll, I'll put him, I'll, earmuffs, earmuffs, ah, stop, 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 stop. No, I don't care that much about your day. I want to watch the show. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And would, would you ever want to have his job? Would you ever want to be the host of The Bachelor, the host oh, of The Bachelorette. Gosh, I could just never do it as well as him. So no, I would, I would not want to fill those shoes. No, I would never. I am in awe of him when I watch him on the show. It's, oh gosh, I just got kind of emotional thinking about it. I, I'm just so struck by his talents, by the way he makes what is not easy look so easy. Like when you think about what they did this season in terms of like, when has a show ever had to change their lead in the middle of their season. It's Never. Crazy. No, it's it's unheard of. It's unheard of. And they and they adapted so quickly. And the way and so that well. he, yes, the way he navigated that and like did the sit downs and you know he's not involved in every producing decision, but he's the producer on the show and yeah. he talks things out with them and, and gives his insight and comes up with ideas. So the way that they all handled that, I am just amazed by and when I watch him like make a funny comment or ask a question like you know when you you watch the Claire Crawley and Dale Moss sit down I did yes yes so when Clay, when Chris asked what's next for you guys and Claire said D Dale started to say well we're gonna do this and Claire goes babies babies <laughs> and Dale started to say so yeah, we're thinking about our next, mm. and Chris goes, whoa, 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 Dale, you, you, you just blew right past that. She just said babies. And I just thought to myself, people don't, I think, realize that a lot of interviewers in that position would have just kept going, would have followed what totally. Dale was saying. Mm -hmm. And Chris stopped and said, no, 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 Dale. And he's, he's great at his job. He is. He listens he really is. as an interviewer and doesn't make it about him. And that's how he gets such great moments with people. There's a reason why he's been around on that show for, I don't even know, 30 seasons. It's, 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 it's sure more than has. that. I mean, if you combine yes. them all, it's wild. Um, I mean, speaking of, of Claire and Dale, I mean, I'm just curious as somebody again, who's been like, you're a scholar of the show. Mm. How, what do you think, what do you think of the, of the Claire and Dale of it all? How do you think that, specifically, I'm curious how you think Claire handled the situation? Because it, I, I saw, at least on, on social media, I saw a lot of different opinions mm -hmm. on that. A lot of people, negatively reacting to how she handled the whole situation. What, did, what sure. do you think? 
I think that Claire handled the situation as Claire, you know, would I have handled it differently in the moment? Absolutely. But that is based on what I've been through. Like I, I think I've rushed into very serious relationships too quickly before. So I'm pretty hesitant about that personally, but I think Claire is a person who, you know, we kind of saw her, like we heard her say that she thinks she and Dale met in another realm. We've, we saw her like with her crystals. I think Claire's a very spiritual person and she, especially having seen her parents fall in love very quickly and, and that knowing they had a good relationship, a, a beautiful marriage. I think she just, the stars aligned for that to be the way she reacted to, I feel like I have this connection with this person, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So she only did, she did what she would have done in that situation. Do I think that Claire and Dale absolutely need like some time living in the regular world to explore their relationship more? Yes. And I would tell them that mm-hmm. because I, I tell anybody on the show that, but also they went from like quarantining to being in this quarantine bubble in this super crazy year. Not, we're all reevaluating normal life, right? And what our new normal looks like. So I think that Claire reacted as she would have. I think I think Claire could have treated the guys, the other guys, a little differently. That, I will. That's say that. sort of my complaint about it. It's yeah. just sort of like I felt like there was like a disregard for their time and like what they had been through to get to that to get onto the show. I mean, especially this year, you know. And that's what I just as a viewer was like, you know, like I feel like they could have, she could have respected their time a little bit, a little bit better. I think so too. I do, and and I would say that to her absolutely. Yeah. Um. But you know, she, we. She was in I, love. You know? Hindsight be twenty twenty. I know. Exactly. What, what, what did you think of it? Because now I just want to get into like recapping. The I know, right? I mean, that's that, that's what I thought. I, I was getting, I was getting frustrated because, and I wasn't sure if it was the way it was edited and just sort of like you know she would come back and she would be like, oh, like what what they say about Dale? Like what are they saying about Dale? And like say that to every single person. You know that scene when they did it back to back to back, and I was just like, is this actually how it went? Is this? It, it kind of seems like that is how she was being. It's just sort of like there was one track mind, Dale, 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 and. I felt for the other guys, you know, I felt, and, and to me, like when Tasia came in, it was a breath of fresh. And I was just like, this is what I, this is what I want from a season of The Bachelorette is just somebody who is excited about multiple guys who is giving them all the time of day. She, she's, she's gorgeous. She's, she's funny. She is getting, she gets serious. I mean, the, the conversation between her and Ivan on last oh, night's episode, like amazing. I was tearing up watching that. Like, yes. I don't know. I think I'm glad, I'm glad about the replacement, but I'm also, you know, happy for Claire, you know? I think it's been this perfect sort of yin and yang season of yes. like, because obviously Claire was so connected to Dale. And I will say, I don't know what Claire's season would have looked like if she hadn't been quarantined. Like, I'm not sure if she would have fallen so hard so fast. I think she has said she was like looking at Dale on her phone and, and, and kind of had done all this, I don't know, recon work. And, yeah, and then I think totally. she met him in person and it was like, oh, yep, he's what I want. Yes, confirmed. Claire and Dale's season, I was captivated. I was on the edge of my seat. So watching those wild, however many weeks those were, then I feel like we were like on a, we were in a, an Indy 500 race and that had its excitement. And now we're on this like awesome road trip with Tasha, where it's slower and we're seeing the sights. And Tasha is so the perfect counterpart to what that season was because she is this quintessential bachelorette. We had the most of the charts, weird, like unusual season. And now yeah. we're, we're getting this like familiar, beautiful season. So yeah. it's been, it's been 
Um, it's a it's a roller coaster, and 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 yes, and, 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 very and, I, and I, 2020 vibes. Very 2020, and I think you know. Last thing I'll say about Claire is that it, it was very. It did feel like you were sort of watching two people fall in love almost at first sight. It it, mm-hmm. it, it sort of felt like that, and um, I don't feel like I've seen that that much on this show. It usually is a longer build, and you know, yes, the, you have, there's something to say about that. <laughs> I look. I want to interview Claire and Dale. They've not been doing interviews. I would yeah. love to talk to them. I yeah. have many, many questions. And one thing I love to do in an interview is challenge a little bit, push a little bit. And I, I would do that with them. But I would also do it from a place of like wanting to see. Like I would love if we if we'd witnessed real love at first sight on the show. Oh my gosh, that's crazy amazing. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Um, and last thing about The Bachelor is, I, I'm curious, just again, as somebody who has been in the weeds with this show for so long, I think one of the biggest criticisms of Bachelor Nation is that it's been overwhelmingly white for a long time. It's been it's been a little bit like slow to adapt to changes in society um, when it comes to race and 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 gender norms and and all and fluid sexuality and and just like all these things that are talked about so much outside of the Bachelor world and they. They sometimes permeate the, the 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 universe of The Bachelor, but sometimes don't. And I'm curious, like, what what do you think of how how the show a- approaches these topics? And also, on top of that, what changes do you hope to see going forward? Do you do you hope that it embraces more of that? Oh gosh, I mean, yes, I I think they're doing a really good job these last several seasons of it. And you know, I mean. This summer, the movement that we had, I loved that we watched Ivan and Tasha have a conversation about that yes. on the last episode. I loved that they included that. And, you know, it's such a balance because I think, you know, people will certainly like say, have all these serious conversations on the show. Well, if, if we constantly had a serious conversations all the time on the show, it wouldn't be the crazy wild Bachelor Bachelorette show that people love to totally. watch. Totally. You're right. I think they've done an, a great job of peppering not just something like that in, but um, you know, Claire and Dale talking about grief. I, as someone who's lost a parent, I loved watching that conversation because I related to it. It was emotional. It felt so real. So when they put that stuff in in this great edited way of like, I think it makes it really powerful to to just show this conversation. I mean, imagine how they had to have to edit that stuff down. You know, it's probably hours sure. long and for them to do that. Yeah. I, I just thought they handled a, a lot of things really well recently. Going back to Peter Weber's season, I mean, he was a Cuban and they had a very diverse cast that season. I think they've always, and you know, the producers have talked about this. It, in part, it's the challenge of you've got to also deal with like who your leads attracted to, who do, who winds up in their final four and how does that cycle into what the next seasons of our show look like? So they're always doing that balance, but they've really tried to make casting more diverse at the start. And, you know, I know they acknowledged that this summer they could have done a better job. And so I think that's all anybody can ever do is say, look, we could have done a better job. And so now we're going to do better from here. And I love that we're getting back to back leads of color with Tasha and then with Matt James coming up. So I'm I'm very excited by it all. You know, it I think it can be a challenge for the franchise because when you have a franchise that is like this reality show that people feel so connected to, you know, Bachelor Nation, and they want to see themselves as we all do and want to see their stories. Sometimes it's like the challenge of how do we fit that all in? How do we do it respectfully? How do we do it powerfully and impactfully? And 
they, I think they're going to keep doing their best, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 they're, they're clearly trying to improve in, that, in those departments. And I think, you know, again, like that's sort of all you can ask. It's like, it's not going to be an overwhelming change overnight, but they're, they're, they're peppering these things. In, and it's, I think it's, you know, it, there's clearly an effort being made. And I think, again, that, that's, that's really awesome. And finally, I, I want to end on this because... I can't do an interview without bringing up Bravo because that, yes. that's just how my brain works. You've done this whole podcast feel, about Bravo. With, with Bravo versus Bachelor, I think sometimes they're sort of like, you can only do one or the other, right? And, then, and for a while, like I was doing both and then I, I sort of dipped out of The Bachelor and now I'm back into both. I know you do both. I don't know how up to date you are on everything, but how do you balance the, the two worlds? Because you, I think there's- Wow, what a question. What an impact. You know, it's a hard hitting question, but I want to know. I want to know. How do we balance our two worlds? Um, well, Ugh. I have done, I've certainly interviewed the housewives through ET, but I've done a bit less interviews of the Bravo world. Yeah. My wonderful colleague, Bryce Sander over at Entertainment love Tonight. Love him. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. you know and love Bryce. He does um, most of our Bravo interviews. So that's like kind of made Bravo stay a bit more just like fun recappy versus reporting for me. Yeah. So I'm able to like just unwind a bit more in my personal time with Bravo and I'm going to be reviewing it but like I think I just want to keep it reviewing and fun so you can come on yes. and we can just chat and talk oh about my God, it but hello that's my that's my uh my expertise yes you know I think it, it's hard to be like to report on everything it's this balance of when you love what you do and how you like keep your job absolutely fun and not kill it with work but at the same time be happy that it is your work mm-hmm so I'm just not, I'm just going to stay away from the reporting on Bravo. That's what I'm trying hey, to do. That's good. That, that's a good, yeah. that's a good one. And give me the plugs where I can listen to it and where can they follow you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Lauren Zima. And I also do Roses and Rosé and interviews on Entertainment Tonight. I'm on our broadcast show every night. Check your local listings. And that's everything we got, Gibson. <laughs> I love it. You're, well, you're, you're, you're everywhere. And I, and, I, and I love to see it. It's been so fun. Laura Zima, <laughs> thank you so much for calling in. And um, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I adore you. And I'm so happy to listen to your podcast. So um, yeah, subscribe, so subscribe. Much. Thanks, friend. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to We Should Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Any support you can give us would be greatly appreciated. You can follow me, Gibson Johns, at Gibsonoma on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow In The Know at In The Know on Twitter and at Watch In The Know on Instagram. We'll see you next time.